0: with rob and zach this is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre normal or off kilter for contemporary audiences occasionally these projects gel most times they crash hard into the realm of obscurity join us as we delve into the cult classic swap i'm zach
1: and i'm rob and this week on Cinemodities, we are continuing on with fan vember slash fans giving in which we are taking fan requests And this week, if you've already seen the title, we are discussing Dragon Blade. Dragon Blade came to us from uh, listener Scott E. through email. So, yes, you can, too, spell cinemodities correctly and email us. It's, It's that easy, folks. And he said, here's one that may be a failed blockbuster but really defies description. The movie is Dragon Blade, John Cusack, Jackie Chan, anachronistic dialogue, jarring and pointless musical sequences... And then he put an exclamation mark in parentheses. I don't understand that. Seriously, add it to the spreadsheet. Thanks and keep up the great show. Signed, a sketch comedy fort month survivor, Carly Beth, I mean Scott. So first (laughs) and foremost, Scott, thank you for this suggestion. Um, as we responded back to Scott, uh, Zach and I were totally unfamiliar with this movie and that was enough for me to really latch onto it and dig it as a fan's choice. So we selected Dragon Blade. We do have some snacks from Scott. We'll, uh, get to those later as we move down into our real questions, but thank you once again, Scott, I'm sure we'll say it a bunch of times throughout this episode. Um, the request, we, we love them. Thanks for your listenership uh how do you want to uh evangelize them zach
0: <laughs> i think we said last week is that like rob and i were each doing our own choice this is the rob's choice yep. uh like rob said i'd never heard of this but uh i can't say that i this is not a aristocats i did not have to put death wish on so i'm happy to say that uh but this is this is a weird movie but not in the sense that we're usually used to discussing weird movies
1: i i would agree and uh, from a, the little bit zach and i discussed before we started recording. Uh, Scott, as we, as we always say, everybody gets one, Scott, I think you used your one fantastically. Zach, (laughs) I think you and I are going to get into a little fight about this one, maybe. Okay. Um, but before, before I dive into exactly my, my thoughts on this movie and our discussion of it, while we're on the topic of email, there's a little, a little, another behind the curtains peek I wanted to give to our audience. So When we decided that we'd be doing Dragon Blade, and I reached out to Scott to uh, send his snack ideas, I went to our Cinemodities email account and saw that there was spam in our spam folder. So, of course, I I went to, you know, see what it was and delete it. And this is serious, folks. At the end of October, we received two spam emails from Nationwide Credit with the subject, Do you need a loan? At first... (laughs) At first, I didn't think much of this, and I was going to delete them, but then it occurred to me how frequently we tell the audience that we need grant money, investments, Mark Cuban's money. So someone's out there listening to us and realizing, or maybe mistakenly realizing, that we're perfect candidates for loans, (laughs) right?
0: (laughs) I think they might be onto something, folks. You know what? As long as, oh, good Lord, the, the loan clears... We might actually look at the San Amadi's restaurant open. We might, it might get shut down by the IRS in a couple of minutes, but <laughs> hey, it still counts as a win no matter how many minutes the restaurant has opened. Yes.
1: So we will, uh, we will have to see where that goes now that we are being openly attacked by uh, loan companies. And I'm sure we're going to get a, a credit card uh, opportunity <gasps> anytime oh, soon. I would
0: <laughs> I'm excited, folks.
1: So, yes, we'll, uh, we'll keep you updated on how the real world impacts our fake restaurant. So into this movie, uh, I wanted to start with a very specific way this movie made me feel, Zach. And it's a feeling that I've felt before, and it's been described to me before, where you watch a movie, maybe by yourself with some other people, and at the end of the movie, you think to yourself or someone turns and says to you, I didn't understand that movie. This happens pretty recently with Under the Silver Lake. Uh, Back in September, someone was like, I have no idea what was going on in that movie. Happened to me um, with an old girlfriend when we saw Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. She was very upset because she didn't understand anything. Um, Revolver does that to everybody. I think Revolver did it for me the first time. But, Zach, this movie, I don't don't think I understood anything that happened in this movie. (laughs) This movie was utterly mind-blowing to me. And we're going to get into the specifics of it. But not only... Was it utterly mind-blowing? I didn't understand where any of the connective tissue was in this film. I think that Scott undersold that this movie is a musical. This is montage slash musical the movie. We could have done this in place of Aristocats, as far as I'm concerned. Music is such a big facet of this movie. And I think that just added to my confusion with it. I'm guessing you didn't feel this way, Zach. Or were you kind of uh, confused and dumbfounded by no, this,
0: I, this, choice I th- in this film? No, I actually thought this was like one of the more like conventional things we've ever watched on Cinemati's. I didn't think this was bizarre, really, in any way. I I was, I was so confused
1: <laughs> by this movie. Really? I,
0: I, for I was, Yeah, for the whole damn thing. I thought it was rather straightforward. Like, I, I was kind of, wa- like, yes, like, okay context time folks uh dragon blade is a chinese film it stars like major hollywood actors if you can consider john cusack and uh at what adrian brody of major hollywood actors yeah um but yeah like this is a holy chinese film that was subtitled and it has i think some english dubbing for u.s audiences mm-hmm. and i think most of the kind of like bewilderment with this film comes from just things that are lost in translation but for the That's most part kind of I, what I was
1: i was thinking that it might be but but go
0: on yeah i didn't think this was like like disjointed in any sort of like incompetent way like when we watch things like i don't know at this point we have a, a rather decent catalog but i don't think it was anything that was like oh this doesn't make sense because of any sort of ineptitude on the part of the filmmakers
1: I, I would agree with you there. I, I don't think it's ineptitude. I think it's... Because that, that maybe adds to why I have such strong feelings about this movie now. Is because I didn't understand, like I said, the connective tissue. But I could never really get a handle on if it was my fault or the movie's fault.
0: Well, it's the idea that it's it's the whoever's job it was at translating. Or doing the translation's fault. Because I, for the most part... like I think you could turn the subtitles off for this... And you could figure out what's going on. Like I think there's a lot of visual storytelling in here. And yes, like it gets I think the dialogue gets a little too convoluted. I think you don't need that because there is a lot of like, oh, what what are we doing here? And if they would have made more of that visual as opposed to doing it in dialogue, you could have prevented some of those issues. But considering this this was a Chinese film, I can't blame them for that
1: i I, uh, I definitely don't have a lot of experience with with Chinese films foreign films in general, I would say. Um, but I, like I said, I'm sure that is something that I could add to it. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like the the choices in this movie, or what this movie, how it played out, was so baffling to me. Even right at the beginning, like the there's the two armies moving close to each other, and then everybody in the army is just like, we just came here to watch Jackie Chan fight a woman. <laughs> like the whole opening set piece is just reduced to two people fighting, and then they. Like everything st- stops like a whole mid full battle is just stopped. Jackie Chan's like, we're going to protect, no fight, all this stuff. And then he-, he grabs her boobs by accident. She wants to fuck him. He doesn't want to <laughs> fuck her. And-, and then Jackie Chan gets arrested and sent to wild geese gate where he's just never arrested again. And it's his job to rebuild it in fifteen days? This movie made no sense. <laughs> I
0: really I didn't I, I thought this was straightforward. Like I okay, I I think you explained it quite well. I the whole okay, some of the things that you don't understand, like I, I is from watching films that are like of the or Films that are set during the same time period—that's what they would do sometimes, like in, in stuff like this with movies. Like, I don't know if it happened in real life. I think it's fair to say this movie took quite a few uh, liberties with historical accuracy. Uh, but no, I remember like some things, like in tr- the movie Troy with Brad Pitt and Eric Bana, they would sit there have things where it's like, "Oh, we're not going to have the two armies. Like, why are we going to have so much bloodshed? Let's just have two of our strongest warriors go at it, and whoever becomes victorious, whoever's victorious." Conquers the other army and kingdom. I think it's a lot of that sort of thing. Uh, the idea of Jackie Chan being banished or exiled—that's something that they would do too. That if you had somebody who was a political prisoner that didn't really that was respected enough, they wouldn't go work in the the mines, so to speak. They'd be exiled. So they wouldn't exactly be punished, but they'd be put in the sense of like through physical labor, but they wouldn't be part of like the social inner circle anymore. That sort of stuff didn't bother me. I th- I think the most kind of disjointed this film becomes is when, uh, Adrian Brody shows up. Cause it's not real. There's a lot of flashbacks that kind of appear out of nowhere yes. where it's like, okay, why is John Cusack protecting this kid? What does this kid have to do with any of it? And then again, we get like weird, again, quasi flashbacks of like Adrian Brody, like killing the father blinding the son Or his brother, technically. Mm -hmm. And then, like, toward the end, we have some stuff where they go back to the city to recruit, like, reinforcements. But then Adrian Brody shows up. And there's the Silk Trail. And what the hell's going on? Like, that, toward the end, it gets a little convoluted. Because it starts to, uh, the action starts to kind of just take over the, the whole film. And you're trying to figure out who's fighting who. But I think there's enough subtitle kind of just, like, uh... Exposition inserted that I was never like completely lost. Like, yes, like with any sort of foreign language film, you have to concentrate more than your regular American cuisine cinema. But uh, no, I, I again, and even like how Scott said. Me, as I was watching this, I was kind of expecting like these music numbers out of nowhere. And yes, something like when they start singing the what the the Roman national anthem, that kind of comes out of nowhere. But that was really the only musical number I could think of. Well, 30- I'm
1: counting the uh, montages and stuff as well because there's oh, there's okay. one section of this where there's like three different construction montages back to back to back, and yeah. I was like what i was like this is just montage of the
0: movie well it's uh, there's a thing about chinese especially kind of like blockbuster chinese cinema and it's some it's like with hollywood does like hollywood's always trying to break through into the china market and they've never uh, they kind of understand why certain movies appeal in china but they don't at the same time mm-hmm. and the big thing is that china when it comes to hollywood made movies they love Big actors they love Tom Cruise they love Those kind of like larger Than life celebrities in Movies like Vin Diesel Like Vin Diesel is Insanely popular in China and that's what They want in their Movies so I could see With them being like Oh we got John Cusack And Adrian Brody and Jackie Chan like There's your big name Celebrities because he's Rob probably read too Is that apparently Mel Gibson they wanted him For the John Cusack Role and I could see How that would be a Huge get back in the Day well not back in the day back like when they were working on this and that's where i think most of this comes from this is kind of china's attempt at a big blockbuster and they've been doing a lot more of that since this came out like every once in a while you'll hear a story about like a china a chinese film making like 600 million dollars over there mm-hmm. and, and a lot of that too is the chinese government putting its finger on the scale trying to sit there Kind of run up the totals just to kind of show that, Like okay we don't need Hollywood's not making the most amount of money in our Territory when it comes to box office Um, But yeah this seems Like China's attempt at doing a Hollywood Big budget film and not Having a firm grasp on what Makes American cinema American Cinema in in a blockbuster sense And that's why I'm very forgiving Of this and I really don't see How this is any sort of it's More like a baby's first American movie (laughs) <laughs> As opposed to just uh, this doesn't make any sense. It's somebody trying really hard, but they're trying to reverse engineer something that's been around for forty years plus
1: ok. ok. i will I will totally I totally agree with you there. I'll give you that one hundred percent. I'm not familiar with, you know, this type of movie, the cultural differences for sure. Um, you know, the thing at the beginning with the, the armies reducing down to just two people fighting, I've never seen that before, so I was just blown away by that because that just <laughs> seems silly. You know, why even bring all those people? Um, but uh, you make some points in there that are interesting where, like I said, I didn't know if it was my fault for not understanding it or the movie's fault. And I think it was kind of a blend of both because after I was so confused by this and I looked into it and I tried to, like, read some plot summaries, there's, like, that whole – the whole chunk of the movie where, as you said, and what I've read was when Jackie Chan goes back to get reinforcements. I'm, I just missed that. I have no idea where, like, when I watched this movie, Jackie Chan was just somehow back rescuing his wife and children. And I was like, what the hell? Like, why did, why is he here now? And I kind of, I felt like that was where it was my fault. But the other side of it is, like I said, with the musical stuff, I I think there's so much of this movie that is is like a dance number just camouflaged as as montages because there is that scene they're like, for no reason they have to repair this thing in 15 days and it's Jackie Chan's job for whatever reason. Who cares? I can get by that. They gotta rebuild the wall. Um, And it it got torn down by uh, uh, the um, Mortal Engines dude who has to destroy the Great Wall. (laughs) Hugo Weaving? Yes, yes. He destroyed their wall, the Wild Geese Gate. But There's the scene where they have the construction montage, the multiple construction montages, and then Jackie Chan's group of people start dancing. But it's like, you know, covered up as their training. And then all the Romans come out in like a a Rockettes kick line doing their training and they're all trading off. And I'm like, this is West Side Story, but with (laughs) Romans and like uh, the Chinese or whatever uh, group they were called, the Silk Road Explorers. And I just I couldn't wrap my brain around that
0: (laughs) again it's it's trying to cram in all these things that are part of this like big budget hollywood spectacle it's it's trying to shove all these things into a blender and it's trying to be like a hollywood epic of years past and it's trying to take all the the highlights of those films and i think the big things that i think We shouldn't be calling the musicals Musical numbers musical numbers It's more choreography There's a lot of choreography in this Um, Because not all of them devolve into music So we also have some stuff that involves them Kind of like singing but they don't move So I I have a hard time calling that a musical number Uh, And like I said I Okay there's a part of this too That in my research In the copy that Rob provided me of this Is the hour and what 40 minute long cut I believe yeah hour 43 I think There's a the two hour and 20 minute long cut Oh my god Thank thank god I did not no, get that No but one. what happened was it, it cut a lot of stuff out of the movie too Because what we got was like the American version But in the Chinese release There's a lot more stuff And that's why you have some jarring cuts Where Jackie Chan goes back to the city you have like the person that betrayed jackie chan them like colluding with adrian brody and it kind of jumps around because the whole story apparently is bookended by like chinese archaeologist finding the ruins of this fort
1: yes <laughs> i think there's a little bit at the end of, of this movie
0: about that right that's that's what i mean but apparently okay. they have a much larger role in the
1: Okay, okay. And the Chinese cut of this. To clarify, the reason I say thank God I did not get the 2 hour 20 minute version cuz I want to make this perfectly clear to our audience to Scott to you Zach, I did love this. <laughs> I loved how confused I was by this, especially at the end when it goes off the, you know, the more convoluted stuff, especially when Jackie Chan has to kill John Cusack, but we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> This this was a great ride, for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's how I kind of saw it. I kind of saw this as, like, the Hollywood epics of years past. Where it was, it's in that weird sort of... I can't even think of a good example now that I think about it. But it's not like a Ben-Hur where it's preaching at you. But at the same time, though, it's not as melancholy as a gladiator. It's that, Mm. like, ancient Mm -hmm. civilization epic that Hollywood never really... Did this specific way Before this has a lot more Bombast and pulpiness To it without that kind of like Heavy gravitas you would expect from something Like a gladiator or ben-hur And I did I, I I wouldn't say I This is one of those movies that I I have no problems with it I I do not Dislike it I didn't have to turn it off and put death Wish on halfway through <laughs> so that's Always in the plus column but Uh no it's 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 fun that's how I would put it it's Fun it's uh doesn't hurt anybody. And that's kind of the extent of it. I, I don't I wouldn't I don't think this is bizarre in any sense. I think in a weird way, this might be one of the most normal things we've ever watched on These,
1: you know with with how you're describing it, like the big epic film of of and kind of trying to keep that idea, I think that's kind of why i I feel it is so strange because it, <laughs> it you're right. It, it's like it, thinking about it now in hindsight, it does kind of work to be that. But nothing in this goes in the way that I would expect, and I guess that's part of the cultural difference as well, uh, because it's just kind of, everything is just so weird to me, where, like, even at the beginning, like I said, all these big armies are going to come together, there's going to be this big battle to kick it off, and they minimalize it to just two warriors, and I know at the end of the movie, they kind of undo that, where they do have the big battle, but at the, at the same time, it's kind of, it all feels... Strange. It all feels seems slightly out of place. Like all the edges are just poking up
0: everywhere. Yeah. Like I, again, I I think that's part of the fact that they I don't want to say they, they don't know what they're doing. Because I think they 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 hit it. They hit the ball more times than they miss. But I think it's the notion of they're trying to emulate something that they don't have a firm grasp on. Mm-hmm. And they and can remember this is also China too. You can't exactly do what you want over there as well. I mean, God, play within the you got. <laughs> This is news to me. (laughs) Cinemati's podcast is fully endorsed by the People's Republic of China. Yeah, that sounds... Endorsed sounds correct. Uh, But yeah, I think that's part of it, too. I think this is a lost-in-translation type movie in the guise of the people involved are trying to emulate Hollywood, but at the same time make the film appealing to Chinese audiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because again, part of it, too, is there's a reason why all the... American actors, non-Eastern people die in the end. Remember, the the Eastern peoples have to be the ones that triumph. There's yeah. a reason why John Cusack is not the hero of this. Like mm. he's a good guy, but he's not the hero. Definitely.
1: Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Um, I, I guess what you were saying, also, you know, kind of with the uh, with the action and trying to get that epicness, you know, that's kind of. How the the ending battle of this movie goes, like you know, it me, really made me think of like uh, ending of like the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit, you know, movies with all these things, tribes coming together and fighting each other. But uh, I mean, they summon the
0: birds at one point. <laughs> well, that that was very that was that was jarring yeah. to me. <laughs> well, that yeah, I, I picked up on that too. That seemed a little out of place, um, in a sense of that it's a little too fantastical for what the story's getting at. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely, because it, it kind of, you know, comes out of nowhere. At least once again, I might have missed it, but it didn't seem like there was any setup for anyone being able to, you know,
0: gather the power of animals in that way. Yeah, again, who knows what they cut out? Maybe there was something in there. That those were trained hawks. It's, it's one of those things where, like, with any sort of movie, especially one that's being recut for a different audience than it was intended for, you have to assume there were things in there that just went bye-bye in the uh, editing process from region yeah. to region. That, and that's where I said I'm much more forgiving of this because it's a very earnest film. And it's also – it's not a cynical film at all. That's one big thing. it's It's weird to have a film because this film costs sixty million dollars u s. to make. And it's weird to have a film, especially in today's era, that costs that much money, and it's not cynical in the slightest. And no one's no one's trying to be clever or cute or trying to nobody's winking into the camera. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just doing the role. again, it it's an epic. And we don't really I'm trying to think of the last epic we got, like something like like in that sort of realm. And I, I I, know Gladiator was the last the big one, but I guess the only other example I could think of would be like a Troy with Brad oh, Pitt. Sure. That'd be the last one because there's a lot of there's a lot of Troy in this. Um, I'm not sure how long ago Rob's watched Troy, if he's ever watched Troy. I don't know if I've ever seen Troy. I Troy, Troy it's, one, it's one of those weird movies A Troy, may, it's a weird movie in that. It made a lot of money, but it also cost a lot of money in 2004. Yeah. So it kind of broke even it disappeared. Okay. And and nobody talks about it anymore. Yeah. It's, 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 I think it's a Ridley Scott film. I could be wrong. It might not be. But again, you got Brad Pitt, Eric Bana. You had Orlando Bloom right after Pirates of the Caribbean. You have all, you have a bunch of character actors too. uh, Peter O'Toole's in that. You have a bunch of like names. It's a movie that you I don't even see it on cable anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean I'm familiar with it, but I,
0: I don't even know where I would have known it from. Wait, <laughs> in point. all honesty, if you were to watch I bet if you talk to the director of this or whoever whoever got to make the most creative decisions with Dragon Blade, I would imagine they'd point to Troy. As as a major influence of this Okay okay. Because there's a lot Even how it begins Troy begins Like I said Troy begins with the exact same thing With Achilles Versus the The Whoever The the best person On the other army side And that's how the film begins Hmm. Alright The whole idea You have You have a gate You're letting people in Past the Again you have uh, what The the city of Troy The Trojan horse Everybody knows that tale Uh, But no I I think in all honesty Because I've seen Troy A couple of times And there's a lot of that in this, and that's why I'm very forgiving, and I'm able to bridge the gaps that the movie kind of doesn't fill in.
1: Fair, fair. I'll uh, I'll let
0: it slide, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird one, folks. Rob's the one now now trying to defend the weirdness of this. Usually, it's the other way around, where Rob's like, Zach, this isn't weird enough. I need, like, pure uncut goofy in my movie. <laughs> and for once, it's the other way around. Where Rob's like, Zach, this is odd. Why doesn't this—confounding uh, you? Yeah, this this
1: movie confounded Shoe, me for sure. Shoe short.
0: is on the other foot for once, folks, <laughs> and it's nice. It's nice not to be the one on defense.
1: Like I said, Scott, you used your one very well. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to—since uh, we brought it up, you know, the the they're attempting to get Mel Gibson for this role, but we ended up with John Cusack— What did you, I know you said you didn't have a lot of problems with this movie, but I didn't really think John Cusack and Jackie Chan did a good job together, especially with the way the movie goes. Yeah, where Jackie Chan is like, they become best friends ever type of thing as they play it. I, I thought it was so kind of stale between them. Like it was very much just like, you know, they were like, and action. Like they were just waiting for the other to finish their lines. Because there's that whole scene where they're, Jackie Chan, the sandstorm's coming, so they let the Romans in. And then it's nighttime, and and they're talking on, like, the, the wall or the overlook or something. And John Cusack just goes on oh, the whole exposition dump of what happened to uh, Publius and his family and all the blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, a solid three minutes of just John Cusack talking. And then it cuts to, like, he he finishes, and Jackie Chan just goes, I'm an orphan. And it's like, what? Like this seems so disjointed. Like they, this, they're all their dialogue I thought was really brisk and it didn't feel natural or like it was playing off of each other. And that just added more to the confusion for me.
0: I had no choice, but to take my soldiers and the child, become a fugitive until I reached the wild geese gate. I've been a man without a country
1: marked for death. The deputy I sent to the Parthian Empire it's meant to restore the
0: peace treaty and to prove Tiberius's vicious intentions. I'm often Well, once again, there's your—it's—it's it's your Hollywood schmaltz that maybe isn't being adapted perfectly. And now, if you do watch some of your movies, you know, and this is. Uh, getting from yesteryear You talk about your, more your Hollywood epics You do have that layer of schmaltz and, and earnestness That's what I mean by it's not cynical Is that everybody wears their emotions on their sleeves The good guys are clearly good The bad guys are clearly bad And there's no gray area And that's kind of what it is Everybody's bearing their soul They're having their heart-to-heart moment That pretty much the rest of the film's foundation is on Is that we're all And I think what's the quote that Jackie, Jackie Chan says this A couple of times is that we oh god, uh, we don't want to fight, you can, there's, I forget exactly what it is.
1: Something like that, it just, it, it's, everyone wants to bring peace
0: eternal, something like that. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's the whole thing with him and the wife, the wife was also, had problems, and yeah, I, again, I don't, ha- again, I think it's being earnest for the sense of, I don't want to say for simplicity, like, again, that's the weird thing about like, Hollywood movies, like, we're so conditioned now when something is, like, something comes across as earnest, it's being contrived, because nobody in ho- everybody in Hollywood, is just so slimy and just janky. That's like, no, they're doing th- they're doing this because they want to try to like pull the wool over our eyes. Over our eyes in some sense mm-hmm. With this where I think they are trying to emulate That kind of like 1940s era magic With the characters where everybody Kind of just again Earnestness and, and, and no cynicism And you do see that in some filmmakers stuff like especially more foreign Directors that come to the US like Guillermo Del Toro's one that I like to think of That you look at most of his film catalog There isn't a lot of cynicism there's not a lot yeah. of just like like oh god a uh, middle finger uh, a very subtle middle finger to the audience. Um, there's a re- there's a reason why a film like Pacific Rim has much more of a fan base than Transformers, and I, and I don't mean that in the sense of like people who consume it as a product. I mean that people that look at it more as film because yeah. even though they're both giant robot movies, one does not have any contempt for its audience, while the other that's all it does have is disdain for the audience. Yeah, and and I think that's that's kind of an element to this that I kind of knew going in, just by this the notion of it being a foreign film, and especially one that is trying to emulate Hollywood. I don't know what ah uh, uh, dramas in China look like. I would imagine anybody who wants to be edgy in China, in Chinese cinema probably isn't allowed to be.
2: Mm-hmm. So by
0: being schmaltzy and earnest, probably doesn't get you in any sort of trouble with the censors. Or party officials. Again, that, remember, folks, you can't you can't ignore that element of this film. That if, if you, you got to keep it simple and earnest, or else you might be in big doo doo. Um, you, you go off to the uh, oh god, what, what what's the Chinese equivalent to the gulags? Uh, <laughs> whatever it is, reconditioning. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that, that's not a joke, by the way. He, he might he can laugh all he wants. I'm not wrong. Um, but no, I think that's I kind of. Not that I forgave the movie for this sort of thing, but I went in kind of being like, oh, this is refreshing. This is nice. And any sorts, again, those leaps or gaps in the plot, I just chalked up to just something that was lost in translation or something that was edited out by the producers for a U.S. release.
1: Okay, okay. Do I guess, you think so, you would ever want to see the the full version?
0: I, like I said I didn't have any problems with this movie But I don't know if I'd ever rewatch it again mm-hmm. uh, By my own volition Sitting down trying to find something to watch Probably not um, if, if this was like a Sunday afternoon It was on TV and there was nothing else Better on sure I do not I, I do not dislike this in any way But it's really it's one of those movies That like I'm going to forget it in a couple of weeks Gotcha. Uh, Like on a plot level, it's gonna be like, okay, that was nice. Like, I'll I'll remember like that this movie exists, but I'm not gonna remember specifics other than maybe some of the more iconic visuals, like uh, like somebody taking a child and diving off the side of a cliff. Um, Yeah. John Cusack having his eyes ripped out of his head, that sort of stuff. Like the the stuff that the the striking visuals, maybe more than anything else, and. that's pretty much it, because even, like, again, I, I thought Jackie Chan was cute in this. Like, that's the thing, too, is that, like, it's it's interesting that, like, Jackie Chan now, I think the latest things he's done in a major commercial sense are more Netflix garbage. Oh, so okay. Really, I think, I could be wrong. I haven't really, again. when was the last time you saw a Jackie Chan movie in theaters?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I think he does, for the most part, a lot of Netflix garbage, and... It was nice to see him in this. Cause remember, God, back when Rob and I were growing up, you had Rush Hour, the mm-hmm. Shanghai movies, Jackie Chan was. You had Jackie Chan Adventures on uh, Kids WB. Yeah, Jackie Chan really was this kind of like ubiquitous, or er, uh, yeah, ubiquitous earnest actor in Hollywood. And I again, I don't know his life story inside and out, but he really is one of those few kind of like Hollywood role models you can still like look up to. He's not like. A secret racist or Like a philanderer like Schwarzenegger Where you kind of have to look at it now and be like Oh geez, the whole time while I was idolizing Him while I was growing up he had a love Child with the maid while he was continuing <laughs> to stump for like the better part of two decades uh, So yeah th- I, That's the sort of thing I like I think Again I think Jackie Chan's a very earnest actor And he was like you couldn't have Cast a better actor for this role Than him because because it's kind of one of those Things I remember this quote From uh, 2009 When uh, Taken with Liam Neeson came out And if you look at a lot of the reviews When the first Taken came out A lot of them were just like, for the most part, disparaging But there's this one quote I remember It it might have been Roger Ebert that said it But I'm not entirely sure He goes, Liam Neeson, just by taking certain roles Lends a certain credibility toward them Okay And that's kind of what happens With a lot of actors Where I know there's another story that When Steven Spielberg was casting jaws I think Charlton Heston wanted to play Chief Brody or Quinn Mm -hmm. and Spielberg's thing was if I cast you the shark's not gonna have a chance because you're Charlton Heston you're Moses um no one on (laughs) earth can stop you and I think In a role like this where you have this And again obviously Jackie Chan's not a samurai That's Japanese culture But when you do have that very Um respected I don't want to say elderly Because that's not fair to Jackie Chan But this kind of like highly respected Person in society When it comes to eastern culture You couldn't Or okay, if you want that character and you don't want to fill that in by having to give exposition to the character, by casting Jackie Chan, you eliminate a lot of that.
1: Yeah, because that's a really good point. Yeah.
0: And I think that's where the earnestness comes into this, it, or that brings it back to that, I mean. Because Jackie Chan, just by being cast, and now that he is getting older, he's no longer the young man that can kind of do what he could do 20 years ago. Um, you do have that sense of just like, okay, he's getting up in age, though. He can still move. Like he was I don't know how much of this was stunt doubles or sure. uh, CGI Vaseline on the lens, but it was cool seeing him in his element again, especially at an older age. And the whole time while I was thinking about this and tying it back to Star Wars, it's the idea that, like, all these people want Mark Hamill flipping around doing leaps and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But you can, again, I, I would imagine Mark Hamill is nowhere near as agile as Jackie Chan is. Um, even back in his prime, I doubt Mark Hamill is even as, half as agile as Jackie Chan is to this day. Yeah. But it's the idea that, like, you can still have an older actor kind of, like, move around. But you got to be you got to make it look convincing. It's the idea that, like, okay, you have Jackie Chan is an older warrior, but what the hell do these Roman centurions know? Mm-hmm. It's not just what the hell do they know. They've also been wandering the desert for how many days, months, and they're tired, as we see very early on in the film. Yeah. Half the guys are collapsing from exhaustion. And it's the idea that, especially after all the mental grief that John, um, uh, John Cusacks had to go through. It would make sense that you have, even though John Cusack and Jackie Chan are not that different in age. It's the idea that it would make sense that Jackie Chan would be able to hold his own against that. Um, as it, when it goes to the uh, the woman that wants to uh, stop Jackie Chan earlier in the film, Lady I don't know. Cold Moon. <laughs> the movie didn't get that one by me. <laughs> That's a great name, Lady Cold Moon Yes, Lady <laughs> that, Cold Moon <laughs> That should crazy. be a drink That should be a drink at the Cinemani's restaurant mm. um, Like with her I don't get how he would be able to hold his own against her But but again it's It's a dumb movie In the sense of like it's not trying to do a one-to-one Yes Realistic fight, so it's like whatever and even Adrian Brody. Like, even at the end, we have him in this fight with Jackie Chan. Like, Jackie Chan's been stabbed like like a dozen times at this point. He's bleeding out everywhere. He's bleeding out worse <laughs> than uh, you and McDonald and Dr. Sleep. And that he's able
1: a, to, That is he's one able of my best,
0: notes. <laughs> yes, he's able to best Adrian Brody... Um, but just breaking his arm and it's like, okay, but, but at that point though, it's like, you're either at that what? that's like 90 minutes into the movie. You're, you're either on board or you're not at that point. If that's a deal breaker for you, this movie never really had you in the first place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't Adrian Brody catch a sword at one point? Oh The blade of a sword. He
0: catches it with his bare hands. His hands aren't bleeding either. And he's like, What? It's like that. That's not how swords work.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My my exact note on the the bleeding one was Jackie Chan has lost more blood than anyone
0: has ever had in the history (laughs) of humanity. Well, even (laughs) I wonder how much of an influence too is the three hundred. Because a couple of times oh. people get, get Stabbed and they get like uh, Impaled, not impaled, but they get Hit with uh, arrows and we have Like the blood splatter that's very mm-hmm. 300-esque where everybody's blood pressure Is like a thousand, where it's like They get nicked it just explodes out of the wound <laughs> Yep, And it's like, oh So we're doing that And again, I would say this film Has very little in common with 300 But you do get those sort of Kind of just flourishes That are that you would are kind of synonymous with hack Snyder's 300. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I didn't think about that when I was watching it, but I can, I see it for sure. But yeah, but again, this, this movie's it's a farce in the sense of how realistic it's trying to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You bring up a a good point with the Jackie Chan. Like I said, Jackie Chan and John Cusack, I don't think they worked together. Well, John Cusack, I, I was kind of iffy on the whole time, but Jackie Chan, I do agree with you. It was good to see him in a role like this because that's something I was, I was a little worried about at the start when he has that first uh, fight with lady cold moon and he accidentally grabs her boobs. And I'm like, Oh my God, like how goofy is Jackie Chan going to be in this movie? And he turns out not really to be goofy at all. He's the, the hero of the whole thing, the warrior. And I really liked seeing him in that light because I think the times I'm, or the things I'm familiar with Jackie Chan are like the rush hours. Um, the, maybe the more comedic ones. Is it, Is it just called the tuxedo, the one where he has the tuxedo that makes him a good fighter? Do you remember that with Jennifer Hewitt?
0: Yeah, rings a bell.
1: Like that's almost slapstick Jackie Chan, and I never really liked that stuff. And this was kind of better in that sense.
0: Well, that's that's when he started to become a parody of himself. Like the problem is that like his movies weren't really doing well anymore. Like when he Mm -hmm. like his like I think did that come out after Rush Hour Three? Because I remember they made Rush Hour One and Two were huge hits. And then they waited a while for Rush Hour Three, and that eventually came out. It, it made money, but it didn't make as much money as they were expecting it to. Yeah. And it was kind of like, "Uh oh, what's happening?" And I think that's where Jackie Chan kind of figured, "Okay, I have to kind of go back to basics." And that was one of the last like major films of his that like, they, I don't. I don't think that's fair. One of the last like commercial, like Hollywood vehicles they tried putting him in that that didn't work. Okay.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm not really familiar with the um the more serious of his roles.
0: That that's what I mean, though. So like, I think that was kind of probably what drew him to this, plus probably a nice-sized yeah. paycheck. Was that it was a, a different avenue for him to go down, but still in his wheelhouse. It kind of bounds the best of both worlds. And yeah, because again, Jackie Chan is getting to a point where he can't flip around the way he used to because it is really like. And plus, two, he doesn't. I would imagine he doesn't want people saying how much of that is uh, CGI vaseline on the lens. Exactly. I would imagine he has an ego too. Oh sure, sure. Uh, going to your thing about John Cusack, um, I've never liked John Cusack as an actor. I've I've read enough about him that he comes across very. From what I've read, he's very smug.
2: Okay. Um,
0: imagine he's almost like I'd say very. This probably isn't fair, but very Chevy Chase esque, where he has a very inflated sense of self.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The problem though is, that, like, I don't know if Chinese audiences like would recognize him because again, John Cusack was a big actor. He again, he was like in the eighties and nineties, he was huge, and maybe, maybe that's where they figured he'd be. He'd be a again, because I'm trying to think who could you cast in that role. Because clearly they won Mel Gibson. We know why they won Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. Who else is on that caliber? Like, obviously, John Cusack isn't on the same caliber as Mel Gibson, but it's that same thing of, I guess, you have Mel Gibson, a Tom Cruise, kind of like your 80s, 90s superstar.
1: Yeah, that's, I was trying to think of, you know, maybe a little more of, a, of a, an action hero. Because when I think of J- uh, John Cusack, I never really think action hero or. Or, you know, general or, or warrior or
0: anything yeah. like that. I think he pulled – again, Rob obviously disagrees with me, but I think he pulled it off. I never looked at him, and it took me out of the movie. Like, Adrian Brody, yes. Like, Adrian Brody's a little too – again, I, most times you see him, and he's emaciated. He's just skin and bones. Yeah. So I never believe him as – I could never believe him as a warrior, but – John Cusack seemed to have the muscle mass, or at least, or if he didn't, they faked it well enough, that mm-hmm. I never doubted him in this. Like, he's, I think, in recent years, Cusack has become more and more of a wooden actor, where it's hard for him to emote what he wants. But I never, as I was watching this, kind of looked at it and was like, oh, the illusion is starting to deteriorate with him. I never, I ne- okay. I didn't pick up on it, or at least I didn't perceive it that way. Okay, okay. But no, John Cusack. It's I'm trying to think. I really am having a hard time think of because by obviously a Schwarzenegger wouldn't have any staying power. Plus, that would be a joke. A Schwarzenegger in a uh, <laughs> in a Chinese film. That, that that's comedy gold, folks. Uh, but again, I, I guess in Tom Cruise is too short in stature. You wouldn't believe Tom Cruise is a centurion, and plus he wouldn't do that anyway. That's that that sort of thing is below him. But I'm trying to think. Who, what who would, would th-
1: you What would you think? Maybe when these came out, this would have made it a little too goofy or not gotten that earnestness. But someone like a Rock, or a Vin Diesel, one of those those big, you know, muscular dudes, or that. I, I, I feel like the Rock is different from Vin Diesel for sure. But I someone think, more of that kind of you know the the bald muscular figure.
0: I think they want an
1: older actor.
0: I think the whole oh, fact okay. they went from Mel Gibson to John Cusack, they were they wanted an older act. They wanted an older actor that was a superstar. And back in the day, that they probably could get cheaper. Mm, mm-hmm, um, mm. Where I imagine the Rock or Vin Diesel would want a huge paycheck. And I think once you introduce sure. them, you, you're bringing in a, di- a different element because the Vin Diesel, like I, from what I've read, Vin Diesel is a very earnest guy. Like and he, he and he he's a nerd at heart. Um, this whole like the 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 Fast and Furious persona that's just what it is he's not sure. like that in real life in the rock well the rock is a again he's not the one that everybody who's ever met him loves him but the rock is almost a caricature of himself at this point yeah yeah um but i think it'd be more somebody who's a big accent not okay a superstar of the 80s and 90s uh, but again I, uh, stallone maybe Mm. but but I don't think even he would do that I think he would see that it's just and plus I don't think he would like messing around with China um I, <laughs> I think that that would be exactly his uh forte Sure I don't know a lot of these people just look the other way when it comes to a paycheck That accent uh, would have been an interesting in this role though <laughs> oh it' would have been great oh I, yeah oh it would have been fun but that's what I mean though I think again even Adrian Brody Adrian I think that's another reason why too I think Adrian Brody is at a place because he's what 40 something.
2: Or, 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 yeah, or, he's got.
0: Yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be. 40 going on fifty, he's yeah, He's mm-hmm. not. He's not a spring chicken anymore. And like even having him, he seems a little too young for all this. Even like the whole thing with Pupilius Poopli- is like what nine or ten. Yeah. And you have Adrian Brody that's like forty five and their brothers. It's like eh. Like I, I can buy that to a certain extent, but not really.
2: Sure. <laughs> and
0: it's like okay, but I, I, there's probably another actor you could have picked instead of Adrian Brody. Um but that's that's th- at that point, it's just a matter of uh, opinion, so mm-hmm. it's not worth mm-hmm. dissecting it or discussing it in any sort of meaningful way. Uh, but no, like I said, I, I have no problems with John Cusack. My biggest concern was with Adrian Brody, and he's doing this great thing, and I think it's the timing of this is really coincidental. Because I don't think Rob has ever... Have you ever seen... Did you finally get to Jupiter Ascending?
1: No, no, just heard a bunch about it, but I haven't seen it yet.
0: Adrian Brody is doing a lesser... I don't want to say replica. Okay, uh, impersonation of the Eddie Redmayne performance in that. Okay, um, I guess it should be said that Eddie, Re- Ed Re- eh, Eddie Redmayne gives possibly the greatest performance in uh, cinematic history in Jupiter Ascending, because yeah. every time he says a line of dialogue in the movie, he has this hushed whisper. Where I I can't even begin to do it without destroying my vocal cords, and when he's not <laughs> doing this hushed whisper, he's like screaming in hushed whisper, like it's it's insane. Okay, that was Wachowski's, right?
2: Oh
1: yeah, oh yeah. Okay, okay.
0: And Adrian Brody's doing a lesser extent of mm-hmm. that. Oh, interesting. Where he's yeah, doing a yeah, he, whisper, definitely. But it's not as, like, over-the-top as Eddie Redmayne and Jupiter Ascending. I would say anything. if anything in this movie kind of drove me nuts beyond just kind of the plot gaps, I would say it was Adrian Brody. If anything, he was the weakest link for no other reason than he probably was directed. Because Adrian Brody's a capable actor. He has an Oscar, for Christ's sake. And I think, if anything, the only reason why he doesn't do a good job in this is because he was directed wrong.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, I like you mentioned earlier there is a lot of, you know, holds on his face and just him staring at nothing type of thing. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> it was this hair just like kind of billowing in the breeze and it's like oh boy. Yeah, yeah, he had like
1: hair's done up like a lion's mane. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah,
0: oh it's oh it's, it's a miraculous wig, folks. <laughs> like it is a glorious glorious wig. Like it's oh. it's, it's like it's like a Nicholas Cage like uh, wig almost. Like it's yeah, just Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's Oscar worthy. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to Adrian Brody's wig from Dragon Blade. Oh yeah, this is Adrian Brody's wig. It's first Oscar. Gets up on stage. Like, what's the character from uh, the Adams Family that's like the little like wad hair? Oh, cousin It. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's the same just, wig.
1: It's just it's just a sentient wig.
0: <laughs> it's a very versatile piece of like hair
1: chameleon on stage and screen
0: there you go <laughs> See, folks <laughs> did you know that the same wig they used in the Anne's family would later go on to reprise the role in dragon blade <laughs> you might not know that folks we have to add that to the IMDB trivia page I'm down yes <laughs> <That's- laughs> all right Rob so do you want to go I guess like okay so you you like this more than I did but maybe for different reasons as to why I, I think I think you like this and I appreciate this film.
1: Yes, I think that's a great way to put it, because I, I was along for, you know, a bonkers ride with a plot I didn't fully understand, separated by, you know, musical numbers and action.
0: Yeah, I was never bored through this. I thought it was entertaining for what it was. Uh, I don't know who you on Earth—it's going to be really fun when we discuss this as a late-night movie, because I honestly have no idea who you'd recommend this to. <laughs> but it'll be interesting, because, yeah, this is—because some of the, like one thing I do have to say is that for an Epic of this I don't want to say scale because I don't think This is the biggest production ever But like when I think of things like in this like Of course you have things like Ben Hur In the, in the uh, chariot yeah. race sequence You have Gladiator with the Tigers and the are you not Entertained and even with Troy you know, Troy is more or less a forgotten film You do have some really great like Icon okay not iconic But really mesmerizing sequences Like Brad Pitt dragging Eric Bana's dead body through, like, the battlefield. Okay. And, yeah, like, okay, it stands out. Like, it does. But with this, I can't think of any sequence that makes me go, wow. Other than maybe some of the more gruesome aspects, like John Cusack's eyes ripped out while being, like, what would you even call it, strapped to... Oh God! How would you? Even I got a
1: it? I got a little bit of a crucifixion vibe from the way he was splayed out.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because again, this is your Roman, so th- that yep. would be a part for the course for them. But other than that, though, I really can't think of any really memorable imagery or sequences in this. Even yeah. like the action sequences, like I wouldn't. There's nothing really like that's kind of the most mundane part of this entire film for me.
1: Yeah, I I would have to agree with you. In I think of the way you're describing, nothing you know jumps out at me as memorable. Um, the, the weird stuff, like the birds I mentioned, that's something I'm going to remember for at least a few weeks, you know, when <laughs> birds came out of nowhere and attacked the Romans. Um, but, yeah, the, the only one is that uh, John Cusack, you know, with his eyes gouged out, and then uh, the fire starts and Jackie Chan's going to leave. But then he turns around and John Cusack and him have, like, this moment, an unspoken understanding that Jackie Chan has to kill him so he won't burn to death or something like that. Is Am I getting that correct, that that's why well- he killed
2: him?
0: I think it's... Uh, you're, uh, yes, you had the fire and flames that were going to... The whole idea was that it was going to be a miserable existence either way. Yeah. And he was putting him out of his own misery.
1: Yes, yes. That that definitely stood out to me because, I mean, that was something I didn't see coming, really. Because <laughs> I well, was still, you, you, you know, kind of lost between there. I didn't feel that connection between them.
0: Well, you knew that was going to happen because I know at one point we have Adrian Brody and uh, John Cusack and they're talking after cusack's been captured and they're monologuing at each other and uh, brody takes out the blade and it's like well now what are we gonna do with you and it cuts and we don't see cusack again for what like close to like 20 minutes yeah and then that's when jackie chan stumbles upon him and it's like oh okay so that's where he gouged his eyes out mm-hmm. and very similar to what happened to the brother and it's like oh okay and obviously jackie chan can't rescue him and, and it's funny in my research for this, cause there's not a lot of information on dragon blade in the uh, sense that I usually discuss where I go looking for podcasts, YouTube videos. Yes. I couldn't find a single YouTube video on this, like a, uh, like a, a YouTube 12 minute retrospective, oh. even on Apple podcast. It's, it's really funny now that we, we're going to be in a great company, Rob. I typed in this film into, uh, Apple Podcast, and only one other podcast has ever done an episode on this. Oh, and this podcast is actually quite famous. It's probably the most popular podcast in the same subgenre that I guess In the Muddies is in. It's how how did this get made? The Paul oh, Shear podcast. Sure. That like it, it's a big it's always like I think it's like always like in the top 50 on Apple podcast like in the like the charts for uh, at least TV and film sometimes probably in the top 100 just in the general rankings.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: they did an episode on this and there uh, it's Paul Shear. It's a couple people I can I you'd recognize if you saw them like the names wouldn't mean anything to most people. But their guest host for this episode for that episode was uh, Daniel Radcliffe
1: wow oh my <laughs> god that i did not expect that name to come out of your mouth
0: <laughs> yeah he's like talking about it it's the strangest thing hearing like daniel radkin like and i know it's not fair and he does he wants to escape this so badly but it's so odd hearing harry potter talk about driving <laughs> <Blade>. it's really <laughs> surreal when you think about it um But yeah, but they're the only podcast I could find. That's again, maybe there's some obscure one out there, like Cinemalities, that will that has talked about it. But when you type in Dragon Blade, all you get is a bunch of Dragon Ball Z podcasts. Ah, okay, okay. So Rob, we will be the second podcast to ever discuss Dragon Blade.
2: Oh yeah, had
0: this get made. So see, folks, we're keeping pretty good company. We (laughs) think about that. We're gonna be the second podcast to ever talk about Dragon Blade. We're the only podcast, or no? We're the second podcast to talk about wonder shows in. Other
1: I, I don't remember, one, but
0: yeah, a few others popped up for sure. There's a couple other ones that we were like, oh god, what was it? Was it, it wasn't Terminator? I know we're the first when it comes to the idiot box. We're the only podcast uh, that yeah, ever, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. The, we're the only podcast to ever discuss the idiot box. <laughs> um oh, real scary stories. Oh, that's re- of course. 18s. <laughs> um, yeah, goddamn right, we're the only podcast that talks. Oh, I guess you I guess, the I dancing. I guess I didn't tell Rob about this. This is okay, folks, slight tangent. Um a couple of weeks ago, somebody I follow on Twitter was talking about the um Little Mermaid song, uh Under the Sea. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I was in the Disney store and they were playing that. And they're like, isn't it great that Disney hasn't ever like tried to redo Under the uh Under the sea and at that Exact moment I completely Forgot about this I have not thought About this probably in at least 10 years That They haven't done in a while but Disney used to have this CD series Called Disney mania where They'd have whatever like contemporary Like entertainment stars That were like in-house whether That be like music or Mm -hmm. Actors do like Disney hits Tell me about Disney's newest music project
2: Searching Accessing Mania is a musical CD experiment Where the biggest pop stars perform their own versions of their favorite Disney songs
0: Who's in on it? NSYNC
2: Smash Mouth Usher
0: Aaron Carter Show me the behind the scenes And I had completely forgot that the 18s did a cover of Under the <laughs> Sea
1: We're stepping in we're not stepping out. Well, I know, sir, this is your teams, are big make up this style. Hey!
2: Show it! see, weed is always greener, if somebody else is late. You dream about going up there, but that is a big Oh my God.
0: (laughs) And I had, you have no idea how bad I had to fight the urge to post this video to this guy's tweet. And I realized that if I do that, he's going to say bad things about the 18s. And I can't permit that. No one's ever allowed to say anything bad about the 18s. So I had to keep it to myself. But I knew, I knew it's out there. So, see, folks, there's still new 18s music to be discovered. Oh my. I would it, I would give that a listen, for sure. I Rob, like that song. Rob, by the time you're editing this, you will have heard it because I will have inserted it by now. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> you, you might not hear it now, but when you're hearing it again, you will definitely hear it.
1: Does it have like the steel
0: drums and the same sound
1: as the original, or is it true 18s?
0: Uh, I've only ever heard the song twice. Okay. <laughs> so that, so that should tell you everything you need to know about my opinion on it. Um, it's not, it's not, it's not, uh, 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 pardon the pun. It's not a tier 18s. Sure. Uh, but it's cute for what it is. It's, it's inoffensive. I don't think it's the worst thing ever. Like I know there's some of those like Disney, I know when it came to Disney mania, they got to like seven or eight like volumes and some of them are just like horribly egregious. Like really, like oh good lord! It's like this person could not sing, and <laughs> aut- even Auto Tune can't bail them out of this situation. Sure, but it's it's by no means offensive. Like it's disposable, yes, but it's not anything to get angry about. Okay, okay, good. There's no music video though, so we don't know how much dancing ah, that, that, would be w- that was going to be. My next question. <laughs> I guess my I guess my next question is, Rob, can you dance underwater?
1: Yeah, uh, at least in <laughs> at least in uh, Little Mermaid canon I, well i well i don't know if zach knows this but in kingdom hearts 2 uh-huh. the little mermaid uh-huh. world is a musical world <gasps> you're basically like playing like a pseudo, yes a very very pseudo simple version of like guitar hero but two like the famous songs of the little mermaid and your characters dance and fish dance and octopuses dance and all that stuff under the water so
0: <laughs> cut to zach furiously digging out his copy of uh, kingdom hearts win 2 to play immediately
1: so Kingdom Hearts 1, it's a regular world. There's only two where it's a musical world. Oh.
0: It's actually an optional world in both games. You could skip it. Oh, who would want to skip that? There's got to be a fan. There's got to be a fan of it somewhere on YouTube, right? Somebody taking, like, the sequence from the game and then overlaying the 18's music. Someone's got to have done that, right? <laughs> I, uh, I think
1: that it, by the time this airs, the person who have done it will be you, Zach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, folks, you know what I'm working on this weekend. <laughs> oh that's good yeah i never 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 would have expected that that cover it's it's nothing again it's funny thing again i don't want to get too far off on this tangent but i remember i don't even know how i would have heard it but i remember like that cd came out like i think in like 2002 and i have and that was before like in i didn't i never even had an itunes account until like 2005 but i remember hearing it when it first came out and being like I'm not impressed.
1: Okay, sure, <laughs> at, sure.
0: At like 10 years old, favorite band, new 18s music or song technically, being like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Maybe it might have been like a like a Sam Goody or an FYE where you could like scan the CD and you got uh, a bunch of like 30 second samples. Yeah. That's the only other way I could think of it. Hmm. Did Walmart have those?
1: Not that I can remember, but I... I think I shopped for CDs more, like F.Y.E. and Best Buy and stuff like that.
0: But I, I could have sworn that maybe and by not have ever worked. But I have a memory of, of Walmart having one of those. Yes, I mean, yeah, could be. All right, folks, comment down below if you remember Walmart having like one of those things where you would like they have like a, a like a pair of headphones and you would scan the CD to play samples. Yeah, remember that, ever, folks?
1: Do you ever expect our discussion on Dragon Blade to get to here, Scott? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Boy, uh, you know what, folks? It was worth it. The Dragon Blade discussion was worth it, just so we could talk about the 18s some more. Let
1: us back to 18s. It's, it's,
0: it's, see, folks. Ah, uh, it's glorious. I still, okay. One last thing about the 18s. I don't think I ever mentioned this on the podcast, but like right before Avengers Endgame came out, I finally found all my 18 <laughs> CDs, and I sent and I sent Rob a picture of all of them. And I'm like, this is the Zach equivalent of the Infinity Gauntlet. yeah. Yeah, there were six of them, right? CDs. Oh, yep, yep. Yeah, CDs. <laughs> oh my one, and what was your comment? One snap of your finger, Zach, and the whole universe will be dancing. Yeah, it was
1: something like that. It was like that was Zach's going to use the uh, the 18's gauntlet for.
0: <laughs> Make so, us all okay.
1: dance constantly.
0: All right, cut uh, cut to in, in Avengers Infinity War, cross two of the Thanos snap, and then all of a sudden you hear upside down. <laughs> bouncing off the ceiling and then Cue Thor going, No! You should have gone for the head. <laughs> <laughs> every week Rob begin- every week we end the podcast with yeah. me telling Rob you should have gone for the head. And See I 18th music. I I think it should be
1: since uh you're causing dancing you should have gone for the legs.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go, folks. He figured it out. He figured it out. Oh, good old 18s. <laughs> All right, fantastic. All right, Rob, so where are we where, where do we leave off on Dragon Blade? Well,
1: I think I think since um you're the uh you're the master of this movie, and it made perfect sense to you. I have some uh, questions. Maybe you can fill in some details for me. Right, right. Um so there's a character in this movie, allegedly I would say, called allegedly. Yin Yin Po. Yinpo is the guy who turns out to be working with Adrian Brody at the end.
0: Oh, he's the second in command. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: So is is the movie I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something something that I gathered, and I want you to know let me know how wrong I am. Does is Yinpo the one who gets Jackie Chan exiled to Wild Goose Gate because he knows he's making a pact with Adrian Brody, and Yinpo thinks that Jackie Chan is someone that could be easily defeated. But that's where
0: his plan falls apart because Jackie Chan is not easily defeated. Is that correct? Without rewatch, those sequences I did find the most like kind of like uneven. Now I so having a hard time following them. I yes, obviously, Weber's name is is the one that has what the 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 customs papers that that say the the gold was stolen. Yes, and yes, he does set up Jackie Chan, and I know at one point Adrian Brody says that. He wanted all the forces there Because he knew it would be a swift Because the big thing is I think he wants to He wants the Silk Road That's the big That's mm-hmm. Adrian Brody's goal in all this And I think it's the idea that he knew John Cusack Would show up there eventually Okay And that was the plan I, I, I okay. again, without, <laughs> without re-watching it I can't tell you exactly what the, uh, the Masterstroke was to all that but yes, and I think that was part of it, that was to get Jackie Chan... I think what it was, was that he, he knew that if Jackie Chan was exiled, or wasn't exiled, he'd be protecting the Silk Road. And I think the mistake was having John Cusack and Jackie Chan team up. That's what it was. It was to take Jackie Chan off the board when it came to taking over the Silk Road. Oh, okay. Okay. Because he's the protector of the Silk Road. And by eliminating his defense force, it would make it easier for Adrian Brody to come in. And that's the big thing too, with the, the exile, whatever it's called, uh, East snake river temple or, wall is that you have all these different factions and their odds and ends and that's yeah. the whole idea is that by this is where all your exiles go and it's not just one faction so they can never kind of unite okay okay yes wild that's, geese gate yes wild geese gate along yes. with uh what's it a wild lady cold moon <laughs> lady cold brew yes <laughs> yes, lady cold brew that's giving you nothing that's another drink on the cinemates restaurant Okay,
1: with what we said, or what you were saying before about the edit, editing out, it seems like that would probably, Yin-Po's plan, because Yin-Po is on the beginning and the end of the movie, basically, yeah, and I, like, forgot like. that he was even there, and then it's like, oh, there's a, there's a double cross somewhere in this movie, and I was like,
0: sure. And, uh, yeah.
1: okay, okay.
0: Well, think about it. It's 30 minutes in the movie that are cut out. Like, imagine mm-hmm. any movie, and you take out 30 minutes. Like, what would it look like?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The other question I have is during the scene where apparently Jackie Chan is going back to get reinforcements um, and he finds that his hometown or whatever is being attacked by somebody. Mm. M- maybe Adrian Brody's men's. I don't know. He, he goes back and he has to. I thought he was going back to save his wife. Like I said, when he's there and he finds his wife and his kids, it, the uh, Lady Cold Moon shows up again. Yes. And the and Jackie Chan's wife is like, who are you? And she says, I'm Jackie Chan's wife. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, (laughs) what? I didn't get that in the slightest. Was there something I missed there?
0: Well, yeah, from earlier in the film where when Jackie Chan defeats her... And then whoever it was that I guess he he won her again. He won the battle between the two of them. So I guess in Cold Moon Bruce thing again, she disrobes and she's like, "Take me," and he yeah, like looks he, the other way He rebukes and runs her. Through. So it's like he turned down the offer. Yeah, but I don't think it works that way. I think it's kind of the idea that like, okay, he won. That's that's the action that matters. He defeated her in combat. It's not that he ran away. So they're married now, essentially. Ah,
1: uh, that's an. Now that, the movie should have been more about that structure. Like, I would have loved to see the movie open with Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan beats Lady Cold Moon in the fight, and he's just on board with it. He's like, you're one of my wives now. 20, 25 minutes go on in the movie. Same plot of Exile happens. John Cusack shows up. Jackie Chan beats him and says, "You're my wife now, John Cusack." <laughs> and I just I want to see that played to the max. Like oh, that god. would have been a more interesting uh, premise of why they were, you know, so in love with each other.
0: <laughs> and then Rob would be sent
1: to the reconditioning camp in China. I think that's a great a great premise for a movie. Just a sequence of battles and people. Isn't okay, what Scott, is Scott Rob? Isn't that essentially Scott Pilgrim? Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I only saw that movie once, and I severely disliked it. But that well, is he, kind of the premise, right? See, folks, he
0: it exists. He he said he loved that premise, and he got it, and now he hates it. Oh
2: god!
1: I mean, a lot of my dislike for that movie was Michael Cera. So,
0: and wasn't Superman Brandon Routh was in that? I think yeah, Captain America and Jeez, uh, Captain Marvel. Right. Oh my! I'm uh, oh, like, I know, right? Has all these uh, God actors now that are huge names. Brie we Larson. I need a crossover. She is in that. That's right. And uh what's her name? Um Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, hot damn. Hot damn indeed. Hot damn.
1: Okay, okay. So so we'll need to investigate uh that marriage structure a little closer, <laughs> uh for sure. But that that I did not remember. Because I I guess I took the beginning as where he's like, you know, just leave me alone. Like, go away, Lady Cold Moon.
0: But even that is like You wouldn't have that in today's culture. Like, in a culture. I mean, like, in in a Hollywood-made film. Because if you did have that, A, you'd be called a misogynist. Because no woman ever has to take her clothes off for any man. And if you did have that moment, it would be played as a Deadpool moment. With the guy being like, I like you, honey, though. But, like, I'm taking. Like, it'd be, uh... Mm -hmm. Very similar to, like, what happens in Deadpool. Where it's like, "I, I like what I'm seeing, though. But I'm taking, hun." Like, it'd be very... I don't want to say smarmy, but it'd be very much wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Again, very sarcastic, yeah. very cynical. And Jackie Chan plays that very humbly. He's he, he's essentially blushing when she does that, and he kind of like skedaddles out of there.
1: Yep, yep, yeah. That was definitely in that portion of the movie where I was worried about how goofy it was going to be, but thankfully it didn't it didn't last yeah. very long.
0: But but it's at least it's goofy, but it's innocent.
1: Yes, very innocent. Yep, yep. The, the disrobing definitely also made me think of um, Kung Pao, Under the Fist. Uh, was, of course. You know, uh, of course. With, a, with a, uh, I forget, the the, ooh, the woo-ee girl in that movie where she's like taking her clothes on and off in front of Steve Odekirk. And he's like, I'm confused.
2: <laughs> Stay alive. Stay and live a life here with me.
1: Wee-wee-wee. I think those were my two big questions that I was very uh, concerned with. Um but other than that, you know, like I said, I was welcoming of the confusion that I felt. It was it was very intriguing.
0: Well, I'm surprised you didn't bring up one thing. Oh, oh, what am I missing? Did Jackie Chan, as a child, strangle his sister to death?
1: Oh, that was that was utterly confusing. To me. I think you said it fantastically before. There's a lot of flashbacks in here that just make no
0: sense. But. As he's, like, telling that to John Cusack, he's like, oh, my sister, all this. And in the flashback, he's, like, he's saying, like, he's talking over it. And he says, oh, she wouldn't be quiet. And I'm like, and he says my sister died. But it's oh. never alluded to whether he strangled her to keep quiet or if it's just the, like, the enemy forces eventually got to them and killed yeah. her. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it, I. It left it so ambiguous. I can't. I guess I just took it as the both of them saying, "Oh, these are these is how war and enemies have hurt our lives" type of thing. But yeah, you're right. He could have. They do leave it vague.
2: Me and my sister run away, and she cried. I used my hand to cover her mouth.
0: She die a lot of child murder in this folks a A lot lot of of, like (laughs) (laughs) oh boy yeah this this movie it's, it's it's peculiar but the problem though is i can't tell how peculiar it is because of just the edit or because of just what's baked into it
1: the editing was an interesting thing that i didn't know about for sure
0: yeah, that's the Brad. That's again. If I saw the full two hour and twenty minute cut, because I do want to see those scenes of the two Chinese archaeologists. Like I would imagine, those bookends are really jarring too, because they mm-hmm. seem just tacked on for no other reason than just, yeah, we got to make it contemporary, and that probably would make it even more jarring. But based on what I saw, I I think this is rather straightforward. I I was kind of shocked at considering how Scott kind. Because I read the email before Rob did when we first got it. And I kind of was expecting kind of like a real like genuine like mess mm-hmm. and, and not messes in like, again, incompetence and more just kind of a mess because things are lost in translation. And I didn't get that. I got kind of a much more straightforward story than I was anticipating and what Scott led on.
1: I, uh, I have to agree. And I, I did want to bring that up with you because, you know, like uh, you said, the way it was described to us. um, uh, as he says in in the response email to us, he's surprised that we hadn't heard of this movie as it has a bit of street cred among the bad movie crowd. And that's kind of what I heard about it when the little bit I did look into when we were selecting it was that people just kind of said, oh, this movie's bad. And even to put that one step further, when I was, you know, finding a copy of this movie, I was asking somebody if they had it. And they were like, I have a copy of it. That movie's trash. And I think that we both are in agreement with this. This movie isn't really bad or boring. You know, we both had fun with it in slightly different ways. I'm I'm kind of confused as how somebody could be like, oh, this is this is trash in that kind of sense.
2: Yeah,
0: I, I, trash. No, I couldn't. I could never call this trash uh, bad because, again, I think where Scott was coming from when he said that this has like is a big name in certain circles. I think a lot of that and I'm not saying this is where Scott got it from. But probably that how how did this get made definitely elevated it.
1: Oh, okay. I, I
0: think because that is a huge podcast and yeah. I think by it showing up on there, definitely elevated it.
1: OK, OK. I, I,
0: I think it's kind of like one of those ones. I'm trying to think of a cinematic movie that we discussed. It kind of like is our own like secret gem. It's like a wonder chosen like if wonder shows and showed up on how Did this get made wonder shows would definitely, you would see it show up in articles and places They're that type of spotlight that we've talked about, like a uh, freak, for example, like if freaked would show up and Did this get made and you had, I don't know um, who's somebody who's kind of like a Daniel Radcliffe of this age or somebody, somebody like him kind of like a name that will draw people in, but someone from the mark, like a Tom Holland or something. No, Tom Holland's too big. No, no, no. If this was if this was Daniel Radcliffe doing this, like in two thousand, like oh, five, oh fair. Maybe, I see what you're saying. I see what you're um, saying. Okay. Maybe Tom Holland in like ten years, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm trying to think of somebody, but something like that. If you got a celebrity that like is like a ubiquitous celebrity, like okay, let's let's pick another one. Like Mark Hamill. If Mark Hamill went on. Um, How did this get made? And they talked about freaked. That would get attention. Yep, definitely. That would get somebody like Turner Classic Underground to pick up on it. Um I don't know if I, th- I think Adult Swim is beyond airing weird stuff like like that's not their original properties anymore.
2: Yeah.
0: Um but that that would be something that It's kind of like um Oh Paul Rudd and Mac and May Paul Rudd has become such a thing now with Mac and May That he's gotten that that movie elevated Like that was just, It was always for the longest time Seen as just the, the McDonald's product placement movie <laughs>
2: And
0: because of him And him and I think it was Conan O'Brien And Andy Richter Really got that movie elevated To now that's, that's almost up there With like an Evil Dead 2 In the okay. sense of like it's on the not as far as Evil Dead too. Like at this point, Evil Dead 2, I don't think is a cult movie anymore. It's too you. Ever since that yeah, Vanessa yeah. Hudgens movie where she talks about it, I'm like, no, I don't buy that as a cult classic anymore. But it's in that same realm that you need certain elements of the pop culture that are deemed quote unquote better than everybody else. If they highlight something, then it will get more respect. And I think that's kind of what happened to Dragon Blade. It's It's in that sense where I, it's now on a pedestal only because certain people that for some reason other people hold in high regard have decided to spotlight it. Okay, gotcha. But that's kind of my problem, though, with those sort of people, because, again, I've, I've listened to a few episodes of uh, How Did This Get Made, and I really dislike it because all this is just people screaming at each other. Like, even listening to the Dragonblade episode, it's just everybody screaming, and it's like, it, it's that sort of, like, really abrasive radio person. Like, back what radio was... Like in the like the Howard Stern heyday, the 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 bubba the love sponge heyday, where it's just all these big personalities screaming at each other. And that's and that's why I never because I know I've tried listening to how how this get made a few times because they've talked about movies that I thought would be interesting, like, oh, like this would be a fun discussion. They'll talk and they kind of do a bunch of stuff too. They do things like Dragon Blade, they'll do like Spider-Man 3, Mm -hmm. and a lot of the discussion just devolves into the people who made this are stupid. Okay. It's not like like where well, Rob and I watch this watch these sort of things, whether it be a Dragon Blade or Wonder shows in or Vox Lux or Avengers Endgame and we're always trying to figure out like what was the thought process behind this mm-hmm. where those discussions most their discussions mostly ended can you believe how stupid these people were when they made this
1: okay so nothing and, really insightful it's just a blame others type of thing
0: well the things that are insightful is because it just they're in Hollywood and they know they they've heard stories Fair. through the grapevine mm-hmm. that's where those sort of things that's where they're interesting cuz it's their careers that give them the insights because of just hearing things. Where more, it's like again, sir, this stuff is what's okay. It's more of what cinema does, and it's the philosophical aspect of it. Sure, that we're much more of a philosophical perspective because we do not have that Hollywood insider perspective. Yeah, and I yeah. get, and I guess that is much rarer than the philosophical stuff because you, anybody can stare at a piece of art and try to figure out what it's about, but Insider knowledge of Hollywood, oh, there's that's a much rarer thing than just musings on art. Sure, sure. And that's and that's kind of the extent of it, though. But no, that's that's kind of the thing with a lot of podcasts. Again, folks, I anytime we discuss something that I know is gonna be somewhat obscure, I always go looking to see how much uh, commentary exists on it, and like again, like Halloween season, Halloween three season of the witch. There's a lot of podcasts on that, but most of it's just recapping. Mm, okay. Most of it's recapping and being like, I like this movie because boop 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 boop, boop. or it's <laughs> I don't like this movie because uh Samrock's savings in a mask are stupid. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's that's the commentary. It's, it's just people saying I like This or I didn't like this and giving A superficial reason as to why Like in all honesty like when I listen to Something I do not care what the people Who are talking about think of it On a subjective level like I don't care if you like or dislike this Topic tell me what you Think about it and yeah. I'll discern What you eventually like I'll discern my own Conclusions from your work I don't need To be told what you like and dislike but The problem though is that that requires a certain Mental refinement that most most of these people have never been instructed or even taught how to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. They're just sponges looking to absorb and regurgitate. Well, yeah, and it's just, it's, it's essentially, it's 45 minutes of Twitter. Just like, I like this. <laughs> I didn't like it. Sure. And it's like, oh, great. God. Like do this, this have an episode where it's like, you say, you say your name and say, I, I, I recommend this. I don't recommend this. And every episode can be like a minute long.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Save everybody's time. And like well, I said, I
1: recommend Dragonblade. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: See Dragon you Blade's next fine. week. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dragonblade's fine. Like, in all honesty, uh, I don't think it's gonzo or weird. I think it's uh, it might be a cinematic because just how earnest it is. Um, it's uncharacteristically earnest for a film made in 2015. <laughs> and that's kind of. Uh, my furthest extent on why it would be a cinemani. Okay,
1: is that is that what we want to do next? We want to do uh, those two questions before we hit snacks. I guess so, Rob. Okay. Well, uh, I'll. What? What is? Do you have a, a, a solid yes or no? Or are you kind of thinking just like that earnestness? Indeterminate. Indeterminate. <laughs> no.
2: no.
0: No. I sure. I'll say. Uh, I don't think it's a cinemani um in my own sense like how I would rate a Cinemati, I don't think there's anything weird or bizarre about this movie um but if I had to and for the the sake of the spreadsheet sure let's call it a cinemadi because it just it's uncharacteristically earnest for a film in this day and age
1: I think this discussion has definitely helped me realize why it confused me so much and why I think everything felt weird um but I after watching it you know the one time I I did I have to say, yes. Like, I, throughout this movie, I thought this was like the, the slammiest slam dunk we've had in a while. Like, I, I loved that this was just kind of all over the place for me and it just, and it still kept me enthralled. Like, I wasn't like lost completely and wanted nothing to do with it. So, this might be also an instance of if I do rewatch this, especially after this discussion and knowing more about it and going in like really cold as I did, that I, I might have to refine that. So, I'm I'm kind of saying yes, but also like a long term indeterminate. You know, all right. Like it might change. It might change. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> see if I can uh, watch this for our two year episode. He went from slam dunk to maybe. It's a slam dunk right now. <laughs> it might, that slam dunk status might change if I rewatch it. So
0: it can't be a slam dunk if it change. It has the potential to change so easily.
1: Well, why not? That's the feeling. I got. I watched it once. It was a slam dunk. Absolutely. You know, but it's I feel like it's kind of like feel- a uh, like a review on the field. You know, it's like maybe, you know, I say it's a slam dunk. We have this discussion. You got to go back
0: and, you know, get the ref, get the actual call in there. See, folks, he's doing it act now. He's hedging his bets in real time. <laughs> See, I'm rubbing off on him now. He's hedging his bets. It's a slam dunk, but it could change. Talk to me in a couple Perfect. of months when we do our two-year anniversary episode. <laughs> Who's the politician now, Rob? Oh, I guess,
1: I guess uh, I'll be your running mate, Zach. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so in terms of late night, I uh, would definitely go for uh, a yes. I think this is something that I would... Definitely, you know, suggest to throwing it on, especially, I think, with the Jackie Chan part of our discussion before. Like, I think it was really interesting to see him in a role like this. And that could draw some people in. Um, but kind of along the same lines as my cinematic answer, you know, it might it might be beneficial to watch this movie with someone else. If they're those kind of, you know, uh, drop-offs in the plot and stuff. And it would lead to a kind of, you know, real-time dissection of this movie and what's going on type of thing. Which is a good fun for late night
0: sure uh for me probably not no uh maybe if you had the longer cut i'd be a little bit more intrigued to see if that Mm -hmm. fills in any of the plot holes but in this current state nah i i I have really no interest to ever watch this again it's it's a cute little novelty it's it's inoffensive but it really doesn't have any staying power Um, pardon the pun but it's almost kind of like a chinese takeout and then you eat it it sits on your stomach for a few minutes, and it's like okay. Next, fair, fair, but yeah, that's what it is. It's uh, it's cute. I I was not offended by it. It Didn't make me want to jump out of my skin, and and most importantly, I did not have to break out Death Wish. So uh, yes, yes, So know we have to uh, get that's that the official, in the That's the yeah. op- that's the official ranking of uh, fans. Vamber fansgiving for Zach, folks. You get the death proof seal. Death Proof. That's a different movie. Death Wish <laughs> Seal of Approval. What was it? What was it? Peppermint, you were telling about? Was the Death Wish with
1: Jennifer Gardner? Was that that? Remember oh, that yeah, movie you were telling me? Yeah, that
0: exists. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs>
1: so then there's I, the Bruce I Willis did, Death Wish. Oh, that's right. Then there's the I Jody Foster Death to, Wish. I
0: didn't have to turn on any Death Wish or Peppermint during this movie. <laughs> then there's the the four sequels to Death Wish. Then there's the knockoff the death wish starring the Charles Bronson lookalike that came out a couple years ago. <laughs> Did you know about that? I don't know, it doesn't sound familiar. There was a couple years ago, they made a Death Wish knockoff called I think Death Kiss. And, okay. and they actually found someone who looks almost identical to Charles Bronson, and it's essentially a Death Wish movie. <laughs> I want to see it, but, that like... it's
1: sounds insane.
0: Well, I think about it, it sounds insane, but, like, I think it's just a Death Wish movie. Like, they found a lookalike and they made another Death Wish. Like, there's nothing really crazy about it. It's just more of, like, it's a weird concept. Yeah. It's like, oh, Charles Braun... It's kind of like, I guess, doing a die-hard movie after Bruce Willis would die or after he will die. And it's like, oh, so we cast another ball guy that looks like him. It's like, <laughs> sure? It's like... Okay but like the novelty Begins and ends at that sentence
1: Exactly exactly
0: And That's why I think it didn't really blow up I remember like when like, it, like the trailer debut Everyone was like oh my god this is so crazy Then like it came out on like video on demand Nobody like paid attention to it. and it's like Because we've already seen like Five Death Wish movies with Charles Bronson We don't need another one That, that features a lookalike that's not him <laughs> It's like a movie that's like Who is this for Yeah exactly
1: Oh, God. Movies. Movies. All right. Snack, Rob? I I think it's time. And as we've been alluding, we have our snacks from Scott. He sent out uh, not one, but two emails to us after I asked him for his snack ideas. And as we did last week, and as I told him, we would read them on air. And I figured that's a good place to start to make sure that we don't steal any of his. He can steal some of ours or something like that. All right. So. Here we go, here we go. (laughs) As for snacks, that's a tough one. It has been some months since I've seen the movie and honestly I can't remember anything food related about it. But I will staunchly defend the position that y'all would be irresponsible restaurateurs if you did not incorporate the following concept into the cinemodotes bar area of the restaurant. Yes, Scott, you better believe I'm bringing this up. In this first email, you spent cinemodotes incorrectly twice oh my god we're we're still letting him it was still letting him you still picked his his movie so we didn't hate it that much uh so cinema doughty's bar area of the restaurant his next sentence says this you are too young to have witnessed the impact the movie cocktail had on the trendy douchebaggy bar scene but take my word (laughs) Juggling bartenders were all the rage. I want to I want to say, Scott, you're making a big assumption that the things we tell you about ourselves on this podcast are true. <laughs> I'm actually 105 and didn't meet Zach <laughs> until right before we started this podcast. I have seen cocktails. You met notes. during Guest Storm. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, in honor of Dragonblade, the Cinema Dotes bar simply must have a pair of fighting bartenders. You order oh. your drink... They do a bunch of flippy, spinny kung fu shit with bottles and eventually their antics result in some form of mixed concoction and more than likely a mixed concussion. But hey, (laughs) no liability, which may or may not be anything even close to what you've ordered. So love that no liability in there. Scott totally gets the idea of the restaurant. It goes on, though. He says, here's the best part. Are these trained martial artists doing a rehearsed and choreographed routine? Hell no. These are just the normal college kids and stoners that every restaurant puts behind the bar. They have no training, experience, or even talent for this. You hire <laughs> them, then their training video consists of excerpts from other, better Jackie Chan films. After that, you give them costumes and maybe some phenylphencyclidine, and they're on stage. No liability. Anyway, thanks again, <laughs> and I look forward to hearing all the fan-vember wackiness. So, of uh, Props, phencyclidine, I barely know how to pronounce it because no one ever says it. That is PCP. So clearly something we've discussed giving our workers, or not giving, but giving them the opportunity to uh, be on while they're working. So this email, this first idea, great. Before we dive into any further, Zach, I wanted to point out that uh, we received this email in the morning, at least 7 a.m., according to my email out here in Colorado time. An hour and a half later, he emails us again. And he says, Hi again. Naturally, I thought of something food related as soon as I started my morning commute. Here we go. This is there is something on the menu or even better. It is not on the menu, but it is on the chalkboard with the specials. Maybe we call it the Dragon Blade Steak or the Dragon Blade Souffle or something, something that sounds interesting and exciting, but there's no description. The customer orders it, and they are delivered a plate with all the garnish, some random side dishes, and a few things that are left over from other dishes in the kitchen. Nothing that even resembles the name of the dish. Because, spoiler alert, there is no Dragon Blade in the movie. And I I guess that's true. They don't call anything the Dragon Blade. I was assuming the Dragon Blade was that dagger in the end, but, sure. You know, yeah, okay. So like the movie, the customer has at least some expectation of what the meal might be, but he ends up with a plate full of WTF. But also like the movie, as he starts tentatively nibbling on the contents of his plate, he realizes that what he got really isn't that bad. Some of it is actually fairly tasty. Pretty soon he's settled in and getting comfortable with the idea that what he's consuming isn't what he expected. And he's still not quite sure what it actually is, but so far it's turning out to be a positive experience that's when we bring out the choir of Asian children to surround the table and sing a Vox Lux song, in Latin, (gasps) while the PCP-fueled bartenders from my other email jump up on his table and do their routine, like Coyote Ugly, except they're not hot women who know the dance steps, because it is the (laughs) Cinemodities restaurant, damn it. And he spelled Cinemodities correctly on that one, ending that email, Capping off some fantastic snack and event suggestions, I got to throw it over. I read this a few times to make sure I, I could be able to read it on air. Uh, I have to say I love these ideas, Zach. What are your thoughts?
0: I I think we should hire Scott as a consultant for all of our snack items.
1: That was good. <laughs> yes, um, I I have to say that you know when I reached out to Scott and said we would love to hear if you have snacks. Um, to add to this movie you pitched that we're going to discuss. And I could not be happier with the detail that he gave us. Um, I would say, you know, there's a, there's a few times where he, uh, he says, we should include things at the restaurant. You're not hired yet, Scott. Okay. I like the enthusiasm. I think both of us like the enthusiasm, but you know, some of the, uh, some of the informal language (laughs) makes us think, you know, you might be actually hanging around the restaurant, but no, in all seriousness, this is great. I thought these were some awesome snacks. Nothing that I thought
0: of during this movie. Uh, did he steal any of yours, Zach? No, no. I, I was having a hard time thinking of stuff for this because there isn't a lot of, like, food and drink in this. He's, yes. he's not wrong there.
1: So I do like that, you know, the uh, the PCP-fueled uh, bartender, you no know, training, experience, or talent. That's fantastic. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's it makes some sense. The food dish where you don't get the thing you ordered. You get something else. And I think he kind of says what we were saying throughout at least the end of our discussion what you get really isn't that bad. Some of it's actually fairly tasty. It's not what you expected. And you don't know what it is, but it's a positive experience.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, in all honesty, I couldn't disagree with that. That was great. Even like having the Coyote Ugly and the Vox Lux yeah. in Latin. Yeah. You, Asian you, children you, surround a
1: table and sing a Vox Lux song in Latin. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, that's That's exactly, exactly.
0: Right up the restaurant's alley. <laughs> oh, boys and folks! All you gotta say is the words "vox lux," and you have Zach's attention. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> Probably, I mean, we gotta do that. We gotta do our own like incarnation of the Vox Lux soundtrack in uh, Latin. In Latin, <laughs> we have to get a hold of Sia and Natalie Portman.
1: Oh God! Do you know? Are you familiar with Latin?
0: <laughs> can have had it, it till you make it, Natalie Portman? Natalie Portman, how can you say are you retarded in Latin? <laughs>
1: That would be a very interesting thing to translate that, that like when she's yelling at the sister or
0: whatever. Didn't parenthetical after that phrase in Latin, it says in a Staten Island accent. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. All right. So, so Zach, if you said you didn't have too many snacks for this, I think I'll throw it over to you. Cause I, I do have some okay. things to pitch for this. Of course you do. Rob. What did, what did oh, you have you Mr. Did. Dragon blade snack master?
0: All right, like I said earlier, we need the uh, Lady Cold Brew and the Lady Cold Moon. I did not some have drinks. that, so that's a good one, yep. yeah. Yeah, get, get some, bring some coffee into the restaurant. And we, I figure we'll all play a little bit into Scott's idea. Whatever the Lady Cold Moon drink is, it'll be something our PCP high bartenders make. That's mm-hmm. what we call it. That's what we, Whatever they make you, that's what we call it. it it's oh. a different recipe every single time. So that's like the concoction that comes out of that event. Yes. Whatever it yes. is, it's called the Lady Cold Brew. <laughs> yes. No, not Lady Cold Brew. That's separate. Lady Cold Moon. That's what we call oh, okay. that. But the Lady Cold Brew is just a cold brewed
2: coffee.
0: Ah. Oh, no, okay. no gimmick. It's one of the very few things on the restaurant. Mm-hmm. We, have a, we have a secret menu, which is actually things that are edible. <laughs> and that's one of the items. <laughs> uh, Interesting. And, yeah. And other than that, I really couldn't think. I, I know they drink wine a couple of times. but. Yep. That's kind of there's not a lot of food in this. It's really kind of it's uh, a shallow food, uh, shallow film in the food department.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the the wine, the alcohol. Adrian Brody has that line where he says, you know, like he's he's never met a soldier who doesn't drink or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's really it. We just get those lines of them talking about food. And I um, the only food I did have to say uh, was bugles. You ever have bugles, Zach?
2: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: Rob. I was having bugles during the beginning of this movie. So.
0: It, oh, okay,
1: you know, it, it worked out. I, I mean, I also really like bugles. Um, so I kind of was getting more into I, I was really latching on this this structure, this wild geese gate that they were in, because two things popped into my head. And one of them with this being called wild geese gate. And you would imagine that all along the Silk Road or any, of you know, major transportation way throughout all of history, you had all these different gates. And that's just a medieval fantasy thing. You know, you got all these gates and stuff run by different groups of people, whatever. We've been talking for so long about how big the Cinemotides restaurant is. It's almost infinite. But I don't think we've ever touched upon how many entrances do we have. Is there oh. just one main entrance? Because I was thinking if we have something this big where it's, you know, theme park size where you got to get a map to plan out your trip to make sure you can even get to your table before we close wouldn't there be different doors and entrances and we would need different names for those entrances like when you go to an arena like i was recently at a ppg paints arena in pittsburgh they got people's gate for people's gas and electric they got like the dick sporting goods gate so One of our gates should be the Wild Geese Gate, but then, you know, we should have crazy names for our other entrances as well. Because I think this adds another layer. You know, what from the movies we discuss, you know, we have menu items that come from them. We have events that come from them. We have busts of certain directors and items on display in the museum wing and stuff like that. Certain things might be good enough to label a whole entrance of our restaurant as. So what do you think about that idea, Zach? Are we are we really trying to funnel people in through one entrance only? Or is it going to be attackable from multiple directions?
0: I like the idea of having, like, a bottleneck. I, I really do <laughs> like that. Because uh, the then idea. we could
1: charge them for, like, a tram ride or, or a monorail ride to get to different parts of the restaurant, right?
0: Well, it's kind of like Disney World. You have to, like, take a boat, the monorail, or, like, a ferry. And then, like, there's, like, one way in or out. Okay, okay. That's part of the restaurant you have to you have to park your car like three miles away then take like a bus a ferry or a monorail to the restaurant (laughs) I like that I know I know that's not what you were getting at because you like you have all these different entrances but I like the idea of making people travel to just get to the entrance
1: okay okay I could see something like that. And then you gotta eat into their day as much as you possibly can. <laughs> yes. And then maybe we could even blend in the idea of having different gates or things like that in instead of entrances to the restaurant, kind of different pathways in the restaurant. Like mm-hmm. if there's one major entrance, you know, maybe to get to this this bar area where you want the where you have the PCP fueled bartenders making the Lady Cold Moon, you'd have to go through like the wild geese gate type of thing. Because I'm sure Disneyland, amusement parks in general, have stuff like that, right? You know, the different sections and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. We're getting organized over here. (laughs) It's a step in the right direction. (laughs) Step in the right direction. So I, I really like that idea for, you know, having different sections or entrances, different sections of the restaurant. We give them names, stuff like that. The other thing I was thinking, though, of course, this movie being set in the time period that it is, Um, much of the doorways and the gateways and the torture devices that we see John Cusack getting hooked up to later on in the movie, um, they're operated by a system of giant chains and pulleys. You know, no electricity. Bear with me, Zach. Isn't this a great way to cut down on our electricity costs if we actually build, like, giant chains and and pulley systems to open our doorways and stuff like that? What do you think?
0: I I guess so. I guess we have all the free uh, labor.
1: But... I think in the long term, you know, we wouldn't be spending all that on electricity and stuff. Wow. Well, you, make, you make a good argument. <laughs> Could you imagine if we have a bottleneck for our entrance that there's just a giant line of people waiting to get into the Cinemonties restaurant because there's nothing wrong with that statement? Uh, many people <laughs> will be lining up you know, before we open, and then they have to wait for, like, a drawbridge to come down.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, there we go. Drawbridge. Drawers yep. at the cinema, These restaurants.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because that works in with your idea where they have to travel, like take a boat, like there'll be a moat or something, you know, like a ferryway and all that stuff. I like it. I like it.
0: We have it all figured out, thanks to Scott.
1: I think uh, we're getting closer. Every week we're getting a little closer. <laughs> I don't know what we're getting closer to, but we're getting closer to something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
2: folks. Exactly. <laughs>
1: All oh, right. Uh, yeah, the only other one I the food thing I had was that line from John Cusack where he's like we need food and water for the men, medicine for the children. And I was like, Why don't the children get food and water? <laughs> Why do they just get medicine?
0: Did you say children or child?
1: He might say child, but oh, I think okay. I I switched it to children for the restaurant. Oh, okay, gosh. Gotcha. Because you know we we are actively talking about uh, especially last week with House 2, you could bring your family, drop off your kids somewhere, and then go into a closet and drink champagne.
0: <laughs> Bingo. So,
1: you know, food and water and alcohol for the men and medicine for the children. It's all coming together. It's all, it's coming, all together. coming together.
0: <laughs> all right, Rob, so uh, how are we going to wrap up this episode?
1: I uh, I could not settle on which musical number I wanted to reverse from this film. So when I edit it, I'll figure it out. But definitely, uh, I was thinking maybe the Roman anthem, reversing that. That would sound crazy. Something like that. Something like that.
0: Cool beans. All right. I guess I guess until next week because we don't even know what we're doing next week.
1: Yep. Zach and I still have to figure it out. Uh, we'll have to uh, get some snack ideas again once we pick our recommendation. But before we go, another big shout out out to Scott E. Thank you so much for recommending this movie. Uh, I hope you believe that Zach and I had a great time because I, I think we really did. Um, we love the snack ideas. Uh, We hope you keep listening. Show all your friends that you're famous now because we're famous. It works that way, right, Zay? Something like that. Yes. And you, uh, everybody, Scott, that you beat out for your suggestions, they are now your wives.